Welcome to the Port City Church Podcast. You are listening to our Delight Podcast series, where we explore what it looks like to treat this summer as a Sabbath. This summer, we invite you to slow down, to rest, and trust in the promise of Psalm 37.4, that when we delight ourselves in the Lord, the deepest desires of our hearts will be met in Him. As we explore Sabbath through this lens, we recognize that our delight cannot be dependent on favorable circumstances. With that being said, today's podcast episode will be a little different. This week, we got to sit down with Cheryl Jacobs, who's a part of our church family. In this conversation, we got to hear Cheryl's story and her experience with loss, walking with others through grief, her experiences of growing up in Wilmington as an African-American woman in the 1960s and 70s, and her thoughts on how our church can engage with racial reconciliation. As today's episode is being released on Juneteenth, we felt like it would be valuable to share this discussion in its entirety. We believe that this episode will be insightful, encouraging, and helpful. So let's dive into today's conversation with Cheryl Jacobs and Maddie Gosley. I'm really honored. I'm here today with my friend Cheryl, and we're just here to sit down and have a helpful conversation. I'm Maddie Gosley, and I work on staff here at Port City um, as the mobilization coordinator. So my job is to, we see the church, right, as not the building, but as the people. And so my job is to mobilize the people of the church into the community to advance the kingdom and to be a part and participate in what God's doing in our city. And so it's a joy to be here with you, Cheryl. So tell me a little bit about who you are. Thank you so much. This is such a joy. It's really a joy to be here at Port City, to be back in Wilmington. I actually um, was born and raised here in Wilmington, New Hanover High School, Go Wildcats, I'll have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, then uh, moved off to the Triangle, Um, went to UNC Chapel Hill, so go Tar Heels. Yeah, okay. uh, And was there for many years, uh, 30 years. I I am a mom of two sons, and I actually have been working at Duke University Medical Center for many years. So I'm working remotely uh, now since COVID. And since I grew up here, my my father passed away some years ago, but my mom's still here. Mm -hmm. So um, life events uh, have called me back to Wilmington. So I'm back here companioning with mom now. And um, I uh, have been in the hospital arena for many years, but also was very, very interested after a journey to West Africa and yeah. some some other uh, experiences. Uh, also, really, really interested in international studies, yeah. and so okay. I did some graduate work at the School for International Training okay. in Brattleboro, uh, Vermont, and left there and went on to to get a TESOL certificate. So, okay, yeah. um, so I've I've taught some English to speakers of other languages, okay. and uh, went on to, to to get a master's in adult education, and uh, just finished up. Uh, Masters in Divinity. So um, my life experiences have drawn me to 
prayerfully be a, a channel for hope um, yeah. in mm-hmm. uh, some circumstances where persons are not treated mm-hmm. um, as valuable yeah. uh, as others, mm-hmm. and also to be uh, a channel of hope for those who are companioning with those who, who are grieving yeah. or who are uh, transitioning mm-hmm. in some way through bereavement. Yeah. And also for those who are coping with the ramifications mm-hmm. of sexual abuse, mm-hmm. particularly ecclesial sexual mm-hmm. abuse. So that's a little bit, you know, about me wow. okay. and um, how God yeah. is, is kind of working through me. Yeah. Well, first of all, I feel so honored to even be sitting at the table with you. You, Your vast and beautiful life experience is so inspiring. And the thread that I keep hearing through your story, even even in the hard moments, is this beacon of hope. Mm. Tell me a little bit about what it looks like to hold both of those things in the same hand. (sighs) It's painful. Yeah. Uh, It's bewildering. Mm. Um, There are many times when... I probably didn't think of it as a juxtaposition, sure. you know, of both for yeah. a long time. Mm-hmm. It having to be such a thing yeah. until, you know, God God gave me a couple of metaphors a few mm-hmm. years ago. Okay. Um, one was uh, that of a kaleidoscope mm-hmm. and the other was that of a 1,000 piece puzzle. Mm-hmm. And when we look through a kaleidoscope, we know that at the end of that barrel is a um, a set kind of geographical yeah, pattern. Right. But when we turn that canister, things are just all over the place, right. all over the place, all over the place. Mm-hmm. And if in fact, and this is the message God was giving me, mm-hmm. if in fact we hold that kaleidoscope down, we're not necessarily going to see mm-hmm. what it looks like in its truly in its entire beauty. But if we hold it up to the light, then we're going to see something beautiful. Now, it's not going to look the same Mm. each time, you know, we turn that canister. And so that is kind of the way that I have moved forward after having received that message from God is... You know, all these things that happen to you, Mm -hmm. you know, some similar kinds of things happen, you know, to others. I mean, humanity is humanity and the principles of life, you know, apply to everyone and uh, good, bad and ugly. And so that's one metaphor that I began to think about seriously in order to see some beauty Mm. in all of these pieces, you know, shards of glass or sand or whatever it might be at the end of that kaleidoscope. And then that 1,000-piece puzzle metaphor, the message there from God, particularly, you know, if you have a puzzle that has lots of sky or grass or something that has the same type of color in it, you know, Mm -hmm. God said to me, you know, Cheryl, there are some pieces of your puzzle that only I Mm. will be able to place in its proper place. Because in those areas where it's blue or green, you know how it is, you keep trying to fit it in there. You keep trying to, and it it just doesn't. And so God said, you know, those are the pieces Mm. that only I can place where they belong, and you'll have to trust me. And truly receive that everlasting love Mm. that I have for you through my son, who also has been in the places 
where you have been. Yeah, we don't have a high priest who doesn't understand what we've experienced. Thank God for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's so beautiful about that puzzle picture that I'm seeing is that while you want to over and over, like press in and go, I'm going to make this fit, I'm going to make this fit. Yes. It's not our strength that makes it fit, right? And you're saying that it's actually God who's saying to you or to us, like, no, I... I'm, I put this in its proper place. Yes. And when I think about that, part of me is like, but I want to, God. Like, let me put it where I want to put it. Oh, yes. But what I think I'm hearing in this is that there's a safety in the Father that he holds that, and then it's him. It's Colossians 1, right? He yes. holds all things. Yes. And by him, everything works, yes. <laughs> and it's held together. Yes. Um, yes. And, oh, man, to, like, Put the pieces of your life that don't make sense in the safety of the Father. Yes. It's really beautiful. It is. I believe it. Yeah. And the safety of a triune God. Yeah. You know, who uh, has different roles to play. Yeah. Um, throughout that coming to grips with right. our lives, mm-hmm. throughout all of the years of coming to grips yeah. with what has occurred. Mm. Growing up, of course, I had all of the uh, stories in my mind, you know, fantasies, whatever you may want to call them, you know, um, I'd written them all out, you Mm -hmm. know, in my little journal, Mm -hmm. whatever. And, (laughs) you know, um, this is going to happen. Exactly. (laughs) You know, this is going to happen this way and this is going to happen that way. And, and, um, you know, I I must say I have been blessed. I did grow Mm -hmm. up with both of my parents Mm -hmm. who were very loving Mm -hmm. and there, of course, were challenges that they taught us, Mm. you know, how my brother and I, how to uh, deal with as best they knew how. And then, you know, went off to college and I did meet uh, my husband there and, and uh, life was rolling along and uh, we had two children and, you know, other than, you know, your normal kinds of, of challenges in terms of, you know, where, uh, who, who will we choose as Mm. a babysitter, you know, who will love, you know, your children like you do, you know, all those things. And then um, what schools will they attend? All those kinds of things. And then when our boys were seven and 11, Mm -hmm. my husband was diagnosed with metastatic liver cancer. Mm -hmm. And it was totally unexpected. Yeah. He was very healthy. He loved yoga. Yeah. He he was an exerciser, you know, all those things. And uh, he actually died seven and a half weeks after diagnosis. And it truly was a gut punch yeah. beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. And um, those that was one of those times when I I was just completely bewildered. Yeah. Uh, absolutely mm. had no, I mean, I, I, I knew of course that we live, we're born, you know, we right. live and there will be a time sure. when we will pass on, but at 46 years old yeah. and two small children yeah. and to become a widow at 39 years old, yeah. you know, it, it was, not um, a part of the plan, wasn't a part of no. the plan at all. Mm-hmm. So I was grateful, you know, to to have uh, a community. I was grateful to have my, my parents, grateful to have some some support, sure. yeah. uh, though it wasn't a road of anything that was expected, sure. including people who I thought mm-hmm. might remain in our lives who didn't. Right. So these are, you know, the kinds of conversations that I, I, I 
have come to appreciate having with others mm-hmm. um, who have experienced some of these things because yeah. there's no book, no. you know, there's yeah. there's no um, set of instructions as to how you deal with grief, mm-hmm. how you deal with the death of a spouse. We had been together for 21 years, yeah. married for 16 yeah. years. And, you know, I've come to realize that others do experience these kinds of circumstances, mm-hmm. yet we have to work through it ourselves you know it's wonderful to have a beacon of hope right and and that's that's what I've learned and that's what I hope you know I I can Mm. be you know someone who who has gone through these things and who who has placed as I like to say some of these kinds of circumstances in life on their proper shelf yeah. um, while wrestling with God, yeah. while wrestling with the triune God, while wrestling with yes. the Father, wrestling with Christ, yeah. you know, our Savior, wrestling with the Holy Spirit who has become my friend. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so that that's a little bit about just yeah. kind of walking forward in life and getting to a point where... Wow. Realizing, as some of the wise ones in my life used to say, if you haven't experienced anything tough, just keep on living. And so here we are, 20 some years later now. That'll preach. We can (laughs) cut right there because Cheryl, I feel like that was a whole sermon packed in one. Mm. And I, I just hear so much honesty and vulnerability in your story. I love when you talk about wrestling with God, because I feel like I identify with that so much is most of my relationship with him is found in the difficulty of wrestling with him and asking the hard questions. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know we were talking earlier about what it looks like to wrestle with God, but gosh, that I I keep coming back to that Christ knows like he was human. Um, He lived and he walked in skin and he felt the pain and he felt the distance and the heartache. And so it's so beautiful to like hear you express just how that's like played out in your life and that you didn't always have this vision of what it looked like to hold both grief and hope in the same hand. Definitely It took time. Definitely. Definitely. It was a walk. It was a walk with God to learn him to trust him, to know him. Yes, definitely. Uh, Beyond a shadow of a doubt. I'm grateful that I come from a line of praying women. Yeah. Uh, My mom, my (laughs) grandmom, you know, Mm. aunts, uh, aunties, older female cousins, I will say not that, not that the males in my family have not been, you know, (laughs) praying, you know, to God as well. There's something strong about a Um, a praying woman though. (laughs) Yeah, it really, really is. And so I'm grateful for that. And I'm also grateful that I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior when I was 12. Yeah, wow. I'm reflecting back on uh, church Sunday and camp, you know, beginning yeah. and all and learning yeah. those stories, you know, yeah. as a child. Right. So I'm very grateful that mm-hmm. I knew the love of God mm-hmm. early in yeah. my life, the love of, of God as Father, as Jesus Christ, yeah. as Son and Holy Spirit. Yeah. That That is a great blessing yeah. um, to me and has helped to... Uh, really undergird. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's my undergirding, yeah. Yeah. Um, though wrestling is what it is. Right. Um, there's absolutely no question mm-hmm. about it. And, you know, God already knows how we're feeling. Yeah. And so we can't really hide anything. No. Yeah, I wish we could sometimes, um, we, but we can't. <laughs> we can't yeah. hide. We can try to be sure. something, you know, yeah. that we're not. But in the end, so much peace yeah. comes yeah. from being who we are. Mm-hmm. And for me, my one word this yeah. year is thirst. And I think about how I have been in a space where thirst has been a part 
of what has kept me moving forward. Mm. Thirst for the love, the kind of that radical reorientation to love like Mike has preached about. Yeah. But this thirst for a love that goes deeper and wider right. than is imaginable mm-hmm. and one that will envelop me in a way that I just have had no idea, you know, that it would. You know, grief happens in a number of different ways. Grief and and pain and bereavement, you know, when we leave situations that are uncomfortable. And so I really am grateful that there's nothing that can thwart the Mm. love of God other Mm. than us, mm. you know, mm. um, deciding, well, I'm just going to do it on my own. And, right. and of course, I've found right. myself in that place and mm-hmm. I found myself angry mm-hmm. with God before. Yeah. But I've come to realize yeah. no matter what I do, God is always going to be there. Mm. And God has invited me to be in the mix of the new heaven and the new earth. Mm. It's happening. Just like that kaleidoscope, you know, it's happening. And so that is what really empowers me, I think, in terms of thirst, asking God to keep me in that space so that whatever that work is that God needs to do in me and everyone, because we all have these unique purposes. And I'm reading a book now that I picked up from here entitled Mm. You're Only Human. And the finitude, Mm. you know, that Mm. we have to come to grips with Mm -hmm. is a part, I think, of what helps us create this juxtaposition between pain Mm -hmm. and hope Mm -hmm. and joy, Mm -hmm. you know, and curiosity about what is to come. Yeah. It's so funny that you didn't tell me your word when we were talking before this. Uh and. My word this year, I was just talking about this with Perry, uh-huh. is wells. Ah. And it comes from walking in the desert and in the wasteland. Yes. And where is your source? Where is the water coming from? Mm-hmm. And so I kept telling Perry this morning, I said, I'm just thirsty. I'm thirsty. And what I'm hearing from you is that might be exactly the place where God has you to do the formative work in you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really encouraging to me. And I, I love the the two words that it's water, right? It's yes. that that imagery of what it looks like. Um, yes. And then for God to be enough to satisfy us, like that He is. Yes. Um, you will quench every thirst. He will. Um, but that's a journey. It is. That's yeah. a journey to get there, you know, as that's well. Because God doesn't want us to pretend to be some kind of pristine right. Christian right. or someone who has figured it all out right. <laughs> or anything of, of that nature. Life is a journey. Yeah. And every day something different is mm-hmm. going to happen. Mm-hmm. And we can learn lessons, yeah. of course, from mm-hmm. our experiences. Mm-hmm. That's said, the more we know, the more yep. we realize we don't know. Right. And so yep. I am encouraged mm-hmm. by the word thirst because mm-hmm. it does keep me in a space of being a learner among yeah. learners. Right. And and that's what I believe, you know, God has us all here for yeah. so we can learn from each other. Yeah. That's what I was thinking about this morning is like posturing ourselves as students. And what does that look like? And you said a word earlier, you said, I just want to get curious. And Mm -hmm. so as I'm thinking about what's coming up and it's Juneteenth, 
Yeah. June 19th. Mm-hmm. So, so I was thinking about what it means to get curious. We've been talking about holding lament and grief and delight and joy and hope, celebration, like all in these same pockets. Mm-hmm. And thinking about that, I want to hear your perspective, your personal experience. What is it about Juneteenth? What do we commemorate? What's important for our church to hear mm-hmm. about what it is? Tell me, tell me your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, of course, we know that Juneteenth is the celebration of those slaves who mm-hmm. remained in slavery after the Emancipation Proclamation right, and then learned exactly yeah. later, yeah. several years later, yes, that they were indeed free. Yeah. And, you know, as I think about this, it's not just a day, right. you know, for me. Mm-hmm. It's my life. Mm-hmm. It's a part of what makes me who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the whole principle around Juneteenth, yeah. the entire time of mm-hmm. slavery in this country right. is a part of who I am. Right. The suffering, all the gamut of emotions yeah. that my ancestors experienced mm-hmm. are in my DNA. Mm-hmm. And it will remain there, you know, for forever. So first of all, I pay homage to those who went before me Mm -hmm. and were brutally and tragically treated, you know, throughout their lives. But they somehow had this hope that Mm -hmm. we've been talking about. They held on to this higher being that they knew existed, Mm -hmm. that they didn't have to be taught about through all of these gyrations of Christianity, you know, that were created and passed on in ways that would support behaviors that are not what God intended. Right. It kind of fit our narrative. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And power. Of Mm -hmm. course, it was all about power, you know, economic power and et cetera. But those those ancestors who who came before me to pave the way. Mm. So what bubbles up within me is Mm. how I wouldn't be here Mm. today. I would not have had the opportunities for education. I would not have had the opportunity to take in God's world in the way that God has enabled me to if it had not been for Mm -hmm. those who came before me for the shoulders that I stand on. So I think of that and how they actually toiled, you know, and worked blood, sweat and tears Mm -hmm. to build this country on their backs, on their backs. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, and to contribute, you know, to the building of the economy in this country. Mm -hmm. So to them, I thank God that some Mm -hmm. of that strength, all of the the prayers, the resilience, exactly the character, the integrity is a part of who I am. And so I'm grateful. I'm Mm -hmm. grateful for that. And growing up here in Wilmington, knowing the tragic events of the race riots in the late 19th century, the racial strife and turmoil and death and destruction and all that took place here. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, these kinds of events among humanity Mm. are cyclic. And it's unfortunate. These are events that continue to take us to our knees Mm. in prayer Mm. so that the power of God can transform hearts Mm. because it all boils down to fear, fear Mm. and hate and, Mm. and systems that we've been a part of, that Mm -hmm. we've been trained to be a part of. And we've used God to further those systems too. Absolutely. You're absolutely right Mm -hmm. to justify, you know, to further those systems and then justify our behavior. Right. And I think one of the first things that we have to do is recognize that. Yeah. You know, we have to admit it. Yep. We have to admit that we're a part of the system. Mm-hmm. 
And we have to decide how we are going to become dissidents Mm. of the system and dissidents of that behavior. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just like church the last couple of Sundays, what captures our attention? Mm -hmm. And that attention then is connected, you know, directly to our hearts. And how we're formed. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And how we're formed. Mm -hmm. And so I'm grateful that we recognize Juneteenth. I believe we have to look in our local community. I was just listening to a clip from the school board meeting and how we have these 12 schools Mm -hmm. that are underperforming Mm -hmm. and how they are trying to get to the root Mm -hmm. of why, you know, this is happening in this town. And yes, they're talking about the tests and et cetera and all, but it is also about race. And we realize that. And, you know, it's about communicating Mm -hmm. and it's about what steps we're going to take to acknowledge how we've gotten to where we are. So, you know, growing up here, it was quite evident that there was uh, kind of an other side of the tracks, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of way of living here. Mm -hmm. My dad grew up here and my mom moved here from Virginia and and lived here for many years. Mm -hmm. But I I always remember my dad being very cautious, you know, of course, with us about where we would go and that kind of thing. And and that even continues today, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And so Juneteenth, you know, is... A reminder, yes, of the past, but it's also a reminder of the present. You know, the past is the present, unfortunately, seems to be the future. But we have an opportunity, of course, to reframe the future and, you know, Mm -hmm. ask God to continue to transform our hearts so that we can delight Mm -hmm. more in the authentic love Mm -hmm. of God and the saving grace of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. We don't have to do it by ourselves. Yeah. We need each other. Yeah. We need each other. Yeah. And I think that is one of the primary messages mm-hmm. after years, you know, of living through mm-hmm. some of this yeah. and knowing that humanity is what humanity is. We yeah. are who we are. Yeah. We are fallible. Right. You know, we we need Jesus yeah. Christ to transform our hearts yeah. so that we can move forward and mm-hmm. fulfill the purposes that God has Ooh. for us. Amen. I think what you said too about the what captures our heart is what forms us. And so yes. going back to exactly what you said, what is it that's capturing our heart? And and how how can we begin to ask God to reshape the way that we see people, the way that we see systems like you're talking about? How can he reveal something to us as we're learning, as we're digging, as we're getting curious with our neighbors, asking what is your experience? Like what what do you, what does this mean to you? Um mm-hmm. never assuming that we know what the best thing is or what the right thing is, especially as a white person, and to decenter myself, but to really ask God, God, give me your vision for what it looks like to live in your kingdom as mm-hmm. a diverse body. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like for you? Because we're digging into the work of racial reconciliation, yes, asking God for his vision and his heart for it. But what does that look like as a white person um, for me to pay homage and to celebrate and lament with you and to remember what Juneteenth marks? And, and how do we do that well as a church? Mm-hmm. First of all, Maddie, I believe we have to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, we we can't hide. Right. If we say we truly want to be in relationship mm-hmm. with one another, in authentic relationship with one another, we have to be honest. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, I sit here thinking about, for example, what my father said to me before Mm -hmm. going off to college. You must learn the white man's way. Mm -hmm. This was a part of my entire education in terms of this kind of double consciousness, you know, of course, that I've had to live um, all my life. But learning the white man's way doesn't mean becoming a doormat you know, to a person who happens to be in a position of power, you know, and is not an African-American person. And I'm not saying that there are people everywhere who abuse, you know, the positions that they are in, but just in terms of my, you know, existence and what I've had to be honest, you know, Mm -hmm. about and learn about, Mm -hmm. you know, how to navigate. I just bring it back to being honest about Mm -hmm. what role we've played. Okay. I mean, there's just really no getting around it. You know, I mean, the the facts are the facts, you know, no matter whether people are trying to take books out of, you know, history out of schools or or whatever they're, you know, trying to do. It's important for us to be honest then about Mm. what kind of experiences we've had Mm. and to, as we were saying earlier, be curious, ask, you know, ask a question. Mm -hmm. Don't assume, Mm -hmm. you know, I think of when I went off to college and some of the conversations that I used to have with Mm -hmm. my roommates about hair, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's just, you know, a a, a frivolous kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. when it comes to issues of the heart, mm-hmm. let, let's let talk about the fact that, well, I feel that way because that's what my grandmother or my right. grandfather taught right. me and I was yeah. taught to respect them. Yeah. And, you know, so let's just be honest mm-hmm. about what our experiences have been, yeah. you know, and then perhaps we can decide that we're going to do some work in the community mm-hmm. together, yeah. um, maybe at the farm, mm-hmm. you know, or wherever it might be, you yeah. know, serving. Maybe we take one of these tours, you know, yeah, around town together yeah. and uh, learn something mm-hmm. about one another yeah. that we didn't know before. Mm-hmm. But it all comes down to, Vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Now, this this being honest mm-hmm. means then that we're going to be willing yep. to be vulnerable. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. takes some courage. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes a lot of courage yeah. and it is hard. But I, I am one who believes mm-hmm. that communicating, you know, honest and open communication with one another mm-hmm. over time, yeah. you know, helps us to yeah. get to to a place mm-hmm. where we know we can trust yeah. one another yes. and we've got each other's back, so yeah. to speak, yeah. you know, yeah. but we've got to take the step. We've yes. got to take a first step. Yeah. And I mean, we don't, we don't have to wait until we're in, in our dying hours. Right. And this is a part of what I do want to, to interject. Yeah. That is something after my late husband passed away, mm-hmm. the Lord, you know, came to me and said, okay, now, you know, there are people who are dying, mm-hmm. who have not had anyone mm-hmm. to be honest mm-hmm. with who have not had any anyone to wrestle even in those last few hours yeah. with and so i'm calling you you mm. know to to do that yeah. and so several years beginning a couple of years after my late husband died yeah. i began then sitting at the bedside of those mm. in the duke cancer patient support program of those who were transitioning into death and mm. during that time they were wrestling they were yeah. being honest you know yeah. they were There were times when I thought some of that honesty 
coming from some of my patients who didn't look like me, yep. some of that honesty Ooh. might come out a little harsh, sure. but I was there mm-hmm. and God had done the work within me mm-hmm. in order for me to be there, you know, Ooh. with them so they could do that kind of thing. So I'm just, I'm oh. bringing that up because yeah. we don't want to wait no. until then. Right. Although I'm grateful that those times occur and people have the opportunity to come to peace with, you know, what they have experienced in their Mm -hmm. lives. But we don't want to wait until then. We want to have some open, honest communication, some Mm -hmm. open, honest dialogue with each other now. Right. You know, and and respect each other, some respectful dialogue. Right. Because we're not all going to see the world the same way. Those of us, however, Mm -hmm. who follow in the way of Mm -hmm. Christ, we want to uplift the love, the grace, the mercy that God has given us the opportunity to uplift Mm. and to embrace. Mm. So I I think, you know, of moving forward that way. When I think of Juneteenth and I think of this church and I think of the work that is to be done, you know, in a community like this, because this community is is predominantly a white community, not just this church. This church is pretty representative of this community. And so it takes some courage. Yeah. It's going to take some courage yeah. to to say we want to be a diverse community. Yeah. And we honestly want to face some of our acceptances yeah. in a way where we can deconstruct right. some of that yeah. and form some pretty terrific yeah. relationships yeah. with others who are different right. from who we are, but who enhance us and really then help us to make a statement about the beauty of needing one another. And that's transformational community. And what I keep hearing too is as I'm listening to you talk is it is so much honesty and vulnerability. But when that is brought to the table, there is and understanding that you have to receive and to hear the hard things. Like I have to sit here and acknowledge places in my life where I have upheld these systems and not just upheld them, but benefited from them. Yes. And when I start to wrestle through that and then to enter into conversations with people who don't look like me to hear what's your perspective, tell me what you think about this. And then I can lay, I can begin to lay some of that down and go, okay, God, I have been a part of this yes. because this system has benefited me. Yes. So teach me what it looks like to enter into these conversations, to lay those biases down yes. and to begin to understand and see that I see the world differently, but there's not this, this guilt of, oh, I wish that there was a difference that I can make, but this entering into a conversation of mm-hmm. going, okay, I can't change the way I look, right? Right. So how do I, as a white person, enter mm-hmm. into these healthy conversations around racial reconciliation Yes. and then to begin to see the beauty of what one another brings to the table? Mm-hmm. And so just having this conversation with you was really convicting for me. It really pierced some places in my heart where, gosh, there's still so much work to be done. Yes. Um, yes. And it's not over. It's true. Yeah. And I think for, you know, all of us, when I think about my white brothers and sisters, yeah. I think it's so important that we look at the words guilt mm-hmm. and shame yeah. and know that that's not where God wants us to remain. Sure. However, if we have 
benefited, if yep. we have participated yep. in activity and behavior yep. that has not that is not conducive mm-hmm. of love and appreciation, yeah. you know, for others, then we have to own up to it. Yes. You know, we mm-hmm. have to be honest with mm-hmm. ourselves about it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you have to stay, right. you know, you in a place. There. Exactly. Right. You don't mm-hmm. stay in a place mm-hmm. of shame, you know, right. or guilt. I prefer to think of it as acknowledging it for what it is yeah. and thinking about how, how, small my capacity, you know, or my brothers and sisters, my white brothers and sisters capacity may have been Mm. to deal with whatever the reality, you know, of the situation is, you know, that, for example, my uh, African-American brothers and sisters are capable of becoming mathematicians or, you know, whatever, you know, just whatever it is, whatever Mm. the shortcoming may have been that one believes Mm. about their African-American brothers and sisters. Okay, let me deal with that then, you know, and let me face it. And if apology is necessary, let me apologize Mm. um, for having had that perspective and be committed yes. to learning, yes. you know, about whatever the mm. topic might be, yeah. and then be committed to developing a relationship, mm. a truly authentic relationship, yeah. not just to say I have black friends, right. you know, that is something that is exactly, yeah. you know, that that's, mm. that's not, you know, what it's all about. No. And the other thing is to also remember, I think for, for both of us, mm. there are some people who are just there's some people who are going to refuse, you know, to become a part of an ongoing conversation. And I believe we have to meet people where they are. Some people are going to decide because of whatever experiences they've had that I can't live in a Mm -hmm. space and trust someone who is from a different background. And, you know, those situations we have to leave in God's Mm -hmm. hands. Well, that said, Mm. I do believe God has the power and will continue to bring some of us together who can, you know, and who will be committed to reconciliation, be committed to the beloved community. Mm. And and that's what I look forward to. You know, that that's a part of the new heaven and the new earth. You Mm. know, Mm -hmm. Uh, Jesus said he will be with us until the end. And that's what I believe is that right until the end, even if it's a person who has done whatever. I mean, look at all the stories in the Bible, you know, of everyone who has done things beyond what we thought, you know, we were capable of doing in in an evil way. Mm. But since God says, you know, clearly that God will be with us until the end, that is what I believe. And that is what I've seen, you know, even for, for persons who have thought a certain way all their lives until right there at the end when they confess with their mouths and believe in their hearts that Jesus Mm. Christ is Lord or in whatever way, because that's the other thing, you know, we don't want to use Christianity as a weapon, right? You know, God loves Mm -hmm. God's love is everywhere. God is everywhere. Mm. Everyone didn't grow up in the United States, you know? Um, And so I think it is absolutely, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's up to us Mm. then to, to offer ourselves, you know, as God has called us to so that we can be a part of that reconciliation process yeah. mm-hmm. and to build the beloved community. It's beautiful. I think about what you exactly what you said about not sitting in the guilt and the shame, but letting it move you to a place, letting God 
letting God transform you, letting him form you and letting it move you to a place where that is what like God's desires become our desires. And for God's desire with this beloved community, living in the shadow of the the crucifix and what God and what Jesus did for us together. Yes. Like how beautiful that is. Mm -hmm. Um, And that takes work. Yes. It takes work. It does take work, Maddie. It really takes work. And even as we think about the cross, the cross is something that is is complex. Right. The entire yeah. uh, the atonement, you know, right. I mean, the entire process is something that mm. is complex when it comes. I would say, mm-hmm. you know, to my existence in the African American community, mm-hmm. and you know what I've read, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 what I've lived through. Yeah. The cross is something that is complex, and everyone has to yeah. wrestle yep. with um, that juxtaposition yep. that Jesus lived within, mm-hmm. you know, of that pain and sacrifice and suffering but yet that glory, you know, on on the other end of it, the joy, the love, and all on the other end of it. And unfortunately, as we mentioned earlier, Christianity has been used as, or the teaching of it, you know, has been used to justify the Mm -hmm. suffering of African-American people, you know, and natives, you know, Native American people, the song, washed in the blood, that whole paradigm, because it's in songs, it's in what we learn, you know, it's kind of a whole paradigm, right? And that has been used as a justification for the suffering of African-Americans. And I can only speak from my own experience, you know, and that's something I had to wrestle with, you know. Oh, so your suffering is justified because Mm -hmm. Jesus suffered in this way. And that is just bad theology, as we talked about earlier, you know. But it's something that we have to wrestle through. And Mm -hmm. so I don't pretend to, to give those answers, the answers no. for yeah. the wrestling yeah. through that yeah. with, with anyone, but I can yeah. say it's bad theology. And so, yeah, you know, we are called to be authentic yeah. examples of of creations of God yeah. that wrestle through, yeah. you know, these kinds of situations, knowing yep. that we have a savior yeah. that has been through all of these things. And of course, if, if our savior has been through all of these things, then we can't sit back and think yeah. that we're not going to have to sure. go through sure. some of this as well. Yeah. yeah, Goodness, that's so good. And I think back to a quote is scripture can be used to justify so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can either be, a bomb that goes off, right? And uh-huh. that's used. It's a weapon. Mm-hmm. Or it can be the balm, right? The yes. healing balm. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's so beautiful to just view it like that and to acknowledge that it can be used poorly. Yes. But it is the words of God, right? That yes. can be so healing to these places that are so broken yes. and so hurt. Yeah, absolutely. We're all welcome into yeah. the kingdom. Yeah, We have to remember that God is welcoming us yeah. to participate in this yes. formation of yeah. the new heaven and the new earth. Yep. The eternal is now, you know, yep. it really is. The eternal the is at now. Hand. Yeah, yeah, it's at hand. It's not some far, you know, away place, you know, we can experience the love, the grace, the mercy, the joy of God now. Yeah. Now we say around here, we can contribute to the chaos or we can contribute to the healing. Yes. And so our desire as a church is to be a community that contributes to the healing. Praise Um, God for that. To Wilmington, to the U.S., but also like in really desperate and deep places. Yes. like you said, God is a global God. So the kingdom's here and now, and we get to participate in it. Yes. Cheryl. 
What a gift it was to sit with you today and have a conversation. Thank you just for your words of wisdom, your life experience, and just the way that you avail what God has been teaching you and your vulnerability in that. Thank you, Maddie. I really appreciate it being here. And I appreciate God leading me to Port City. I feel what what you just said. I Mm. feel that here. And uh, I'm grateful and I look forward. I thirst for Mm. what is to come. I love that. Yes. Well, thank you, Cheryl. You're welcome. Enjoyed our conversation. Likewise, me too, Maddie. Thank you for listening to our Delight podcast series. In today's conversation, you heard Cheryl and Maddie discuss opportunities like serving with local community farms or Encounter the City, which is a guided tour of Wilmington that interacts with some of our local partners throughout our community. If you would like to learn more about the opportunities our church offers, you can go to portcity.church slash mobilization, or you can send us an email to mobilization at portcitychurch.org. We look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you.